Get ready to listen, learn, and earn CE hours. This podcast features content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. And welcome back to episode three. Let's continue with uh, Kurt giving us some very real practical clinical insight about uh, artificial intelligence and uh, insulin pumps and the critical thinking concerned with all of that. So I, I think for for us in sort of that that clinical setting where you're dealing with real life sort of environments, um, you know, integrating the AI is is there is great sort of hope to it that it will help bring out um, bring along better outcomes, better care, uh, you know, ease of of care planning. Um, you know, but it, but as it generates more and more information to make better better decision making, it also generates from from my end more opportunities for um, manipulating parameters. And when I say that, it's that um, as as we have this AI and all these inputs, for me, all of a sudden you have sort of the the people around the patient trying to influence care because they now have an opportunity to have this real-time data. This information is flowing to them minute by minute. In our case, it's really every five minutes that they can chime in with um, their own comments, information, recommendations. And as we look at it, trying to simplify and um, uh, create better care, the nurse gets stuck in this situation where it's a little bit of a information overload plus uh, outside pressures that start to um, start to affect your ability to make uh, decisions about care, um, and so that that tends to be that's a new problem. Like we haven't seen it again. This technology is very new in this world, and. The parents are embracing it, and it's great. We want them to embrace it. We want parental involvement. We want family involvement. Um, but it really does give them an opportunity to be uh, hyper-involved um, because there's so much information, because there's so much more control over it, um, that uh, they get involved in it, and it, it becomes a little bit problematic for us. Um, so that's sort of where... Where we are right now, sort of on the um, implementing all the AI. We're not even implementing. I feel like AI is implementing us. Um, <laughs> you know, we're more responding to it and trying to understand it better. Um, and so that's where we are right now. Well, I, I just had a, a question for Kirk. You know, it it um, it reminds me of of the early days of the self driving cars, where you'd hear all of a sudden the car would like er, stop in the middle of the road, and um, you know, do strange things, but now it's getting more sophisticated where people are really liking those um, self-driving cars. So do you think that that's where we are with some of this technology, like you're describing that, that after we're fine tune it and it's going to, it's going to work for us or, or what do you think? I do. I I think your, your analogy is correct. I think that right now we didn't know 
we were sort of fighting the AI. We didn't know what the AI was doing, and we were managing the patient um, as we always did with the information that we're, we're given, and we respond to that information without knowing what's going on in the background. Um, I know that as we, as we started to really look deeper and understand what the AI was doing, all of a sudden we were managing better. Now, we were micromanaging, so we're spending more time um, managing, but I can say that those blood sugar values and those ranges were much better. So we got to that better point for blood sugars, but we were spending more time than we should have because it was being sort of micromanaged, microdosed. Um, we were going out instead of giving a big bolus, they were numerous little boluses uh, that obviously would keep that, that range more narrow. So I do, I think we're going in that direction. Um, and I think for, for the nurses, it's how do we, how do we educate the nurses so that they know what their job is interacting with the AI? Because we don't know what we're really supposed to do other than follow it. And then that sort of falls apart when the critical thinking kicks in and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Um, and like I said before, like we're, we may not be feeding the AI the information is supposed to have because we never had to do it before. Um, but I do, I think it's going in that direction. I mean, I think the idea that, uh, that we could have an insulin pump that really manage, manages the patient on a, on a regular basis with less intervention from um, healthcare workers and nurses, that's great. And I think that's definitely where it's going. Right now, it's like I said, the, it's a little, like you said, the black box. It's a little bit of a black box. You know, information's coming out, information's going in, and can't see anything else. Do you have any uh, experience to share regarding how this might work in, say, a school environment? Well, you know, a, a school environment's actually a good place for this to work because okay. there are minimal interruptions there are um they're sitting they're moving they're walking it's they don't encounter these um significant changes that would cause spikes or drops in blood sugar um so i think it works really well in the more controlled environment uh, which makes sense because the algorithm is going to work better with fewer sort of variations um it's when you take them out and say in a camp where they're running around from activity to activity and they're different every day or different times, it got, it got a little wonky. Um, we would see kind of big changes when you didn't expect it. Um, so the more varied or it's really a matter of like physical intensity or physical activity, the more varied it becomes, the, the harder we had, the, the more difficult it became managed in the AI and the blood sugar. But a school setting is a great place. I mean, wouldn't have to do anything, really. So as far as uh, parents being open to this kind of technology, it sounded like you were saying earlier that parents are quite receptive or maybe too trusting <laughs> of the technology. I think it's, it's, it's two separate questions. I think... Okay. Uh, they're very accepting of it. They're, anything that's going to help them manage mm -hmm. their child's blood sugars better. Um, I think the question about trust is a really interesting one. Okay. Um, and I've talked to other nurses about that. 
that how do you give up that sense of sort of control that I'm taking care of my kid to AI that says, now I can do it. Hmm. Um, I don't really know where we fall in that right now. It's still sort of early and new, but it's, it's something we talk about that how do you, because some parents buy into it right away. They love it and they're ready to do it. Um, but it does, it does require at some point, um, accepting the fact that you're going to trust the AI to do this sort of a heavy lifting. Um, and some parents have, and some parents haven't, they're nervous. Uh, a lot of parents will call you every time they see a change in their blood sugar because it's real-time data. I mean, mm. fi- it's a five-minute delay, which is important uh, when you get into that sort of critical situation. Uh, but, but they're getting that information quick, and they're calling you up, and they see something. Um, so it's a mixed bag right now, but, but um, yeah, okay, so they're couple, accepting it. A couple more questions, and then I have a question for Dr. McBride about the education component. So uh, do you think the technology has led to a decreased amount of nursing management? Right now, it's, it's my feeling, again, we're, we're talking about very small data sets. It, okay. But it, it's increased. Like when we okay. do this micro sort of managing thing, we are, I'm looking, I'm looking at those blood sugars because we're monitoring them remotely. I'm looking at their blood sugars all day long. Okay. Um, and honestly, I was an early adopter with this that I could track them real time all day long so I could get involved in early intervention if it was needed. And initially when I was doing it, the other nurses looked at me like, why do you want to be so involved? <laughs> um, they wanted to do it more old school that lunchtime you come in and get checked, morning you get checked when you first come in, kind of things like that. Where with the AI, there was, again, so much more control over it that you really could see um, these trends earlier, that you could head off uh, an issue before it became one, because you could see the trend, the real-time data, but it, but it resulted in much more time being spent on tracking, intervention, um, and, and things of that nature, where you're calling them in to do a, a blood sugar check more than you would, or you're running out to give them to give them two starburst or <laughs> skittles or whatever the parent wanted, you know, to be the rescue carb. Okay. Um, and along that note, that was the other question, you know, and these things change over time. The more we learn, the more the technology improves, you know, things can change. But what have you seen in terms of risk involved or emergency interventions needed? I, I think the risk is higher. Um, okay. But again, I think it's because we're not working with the AI together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's in opposition because we see something going on, but the AI has already taken action on it. So then we take action on it. So it's like twice as much action on that. And all of a sudden you're in a, you know, in a tough hypoglycemic situation. Um, and so, you know, so there has been, there were, I think, more concerns early on, but again, as we sort of learned to work with it, um, that became less and less of an issue. Uh, and then it turned away from the emergency situation to how much more narrow can we make this range? You know, mm-hmm. Don't go above 110, don't go below 90, and these ranges got tighter and tighter as, as we got better at it. But again, it, it, it ended up with more... Um, more individualized care 
to do that. So I think we're going in the right direction, but it's definitely a, a learning process. For me, it, it doesn't feel like I'm on the same team. Like, yeah. I want to be on the same team. And as AI is progressing, I want to know about how it's progressing and how um, I should be interacting with it. What's interesting is it sounds like nurses monitoring this are a component of the machine learning. In other words, you're mm-hmm. training it to do the right thing at the right time, given the parameters that you're seeing. And, you know, there's been some interesting scenarios with that around um, big companies who are going into healthcare systems and they're generating lots of um, this type of, of capability. And part of the challenge is, who owns the technology? Is it the vendor who has the AI or the machine learning? Or is it the data that feeds the algorithm that makes it smarter and smarter and smarter? And I just heard Kurt adding another element because nurses and their decisions are are training it. And, you know, well, that's interesting. Some of these things have been used for things like uh, selecting the right oncology protocol for patients, given the genomics, the epigenetics, and all, you know, what's the right pharmaceutical protocol or treatment protocol. And in that case, the oncologist was the one that was training the algorithms with the data, all of the data they had and the oncology expertise. And so it was a partnership in the development of product. So in this scenario, we've got nurses training the algorithms, which is really, really interesting. This is very fascinating and very practical information. Thank you all so much. Uh, I wanted to, based on something Kirk said, I wanted to ask you, Dr. McBride, so have you noticed anything in the research or have you seen anything uh, recently about the need for education for, let's, I was going to ask you about nurses, but, you know, even patients, parents, et cetera, for uh, how to how how did know about the AI? I mean, we can we can offer a technology, but it seems very apparent that we need to know how to interact with it. Well, it is almost part of that civil rights mm. in terms of patients' right to know what's behind a technology that they're and how does it really work. Um, but it is up to the nurses often to educate. We are. We one of our major roles is to educate patients on things like this very thing that Kurt described. And so we often prepare families to go home with these devices and make sure that they can care for their children or their loved ones. And so uh, it does get down to preparing, you know, you back it all the way up to how do we prepare nurses to meet these roles that we are being called upon. And so with our new AAC and Essentials, we see a large focus on technology. And you can see why. We're a fundamental essential of nursing now is technology. It's become a major actor in what we do. And so we have to take into consideration how are we going to build knowledge and competencies in nurses um, in the current practice setting, uh, for those uh, that are currently practicing and beginning to onboard with new technology, but also how do we prepare young nurses so that they can be receptive to this to this day and age in technology and what's coming in the future? Because we, it's only going to get bigger and more complex. 
Well, before we go, I wanted to uh, give the opportunity um, for you to share with us how you've been a, a principal investigator for electronic health record research and optimization. So if you just want to tell us a little bit how you've been involved in trying to optimize our electronic health records. Well, from an, a number of avenues, um, my colleague, Dr. Mary Teets and myself, a number of years ago, uh, we had been called in by educators to say, how do we even begin to think about informatics and nursing education? And this was well over a decade ago, almost pushing two decades. And so we actually came at it from a conceptual model standpoint because we were very applied at that point. We were in the practice setting as practicing um, doctorally prepared nursing informaticists. So what we saw in the field is there were essentially three important domains that nurses need to know about. There are those technologies like Kirk was describing that is point of care technology. It's at the bedside, whether it be electronic health record or a pump or device or whatever. And then from those, all of that, we have data and information that comes out of it that we need to be able to analyze effectively and use it to improve patient safety, quality, and population health, which is the third domain. And so if we can educate nurses with all of that in mind, point of care technology, data management and analytics, and patient safety and quality, and add to that the fact that it is all in a complex environment within healthcare that is very policy driven. Mm -hmm. So we need to prepare professional nurses with all of that in mind. And likewise, it drives the research that we do in order, because then you back up and say, how do we know they're competent? How do we measure and evaluate competencies with things like the electronic health record? For sure. And so that is part of our research is actually to develop an instrument for evaluating whether or not nurses are practicing with domains of best practice. Uh, we also have done some work around clinical workflow redesign from a very applied standpoint, um, particularly advanced nurses in, that are at advanced practice and doctoral level. We begin to look at how do we redesign clinical workflows so that we optimize technology and it works with us rather than against us. And so you can hear Kirk as a, an advanced practice prepared, master's prepared nurse speaking to how he is trying to optimize the technology within his clinical workflow to work so that it is safe and effective. You also heard in his speaking that he used data management and analytics to figure out how this point of care device wasn't working for him. So I think it's really a great example of, um, and I'll add to that, the fact that FDA is going to make sure these devices are safe for us with these algorithms. Mm -hmm. So it adds to that whole policy environment piece. Um, so really great example that he shared. Kirk, anything you'd like to add? Well, I, I think that there's, obviously this is where it's gonna go. There's no stopping AI. It's it's here. It's it's going to grow. Um, I think my my biggest concern is that um, from the sort of the, the medical device side of it, how willing are they going to be to share sort of insights to their algorithms? Because the algorithms are their intellectual property. They're uh, not going to share it. That is their, good point. That's their you know that's theirs, and so when I think about the nurses trying to understand what they need to do to make it better or to make it useful, 
um, will those, those companies give that information to us? I mean, it's one thing to, to educate um, you know, the families on how to use it. It's another thing to educate the healthcare providers who need to have much more of an intimate understanding of what's going on. I saw you shaking your head, Dr. McBride. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I wish we could just keep talking more, but we have reached the end of the podcast. So I liked how you two explain some of these complex terms and topics with regard to artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning and, and so on and so forth, uh, technology overall. We brought it very close to home. This was a nice conversation. You made it easy to grasp the info and how it practically applies to nursing and healthcare today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules. I would like to thank Dr. Susan McBride and Kirk Ornstein for joining us today. This is Maria Morales with Colibri Healthcare. This podcast featured content from an accredited CE activity provided by Colibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Take your learning to the next level by subscribing to more podcasts on compelling healthcare topics.